Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome to Australia on this day. My name's Michael Adams and today we're going back to Wednesday the 2nd of September 1970. That was the day hard-nosed Sydney Vice Squad detectives, acting on behalf of the New South Wales State Government, carried out raids to take down a clear, imminent and somewhat imaginary danger to Australian society. Alexander Portnoy, fictional creation of American author Philip Roth. Published in January 1969, Portnoy's complaint was Philip Roth's fourth novel and the one that made him a literary superstar. The book was a comic satire about Alexander Portnoy, a young Jewish-American man, and his complaint was that, well, he had a whole lot of lusty appetites that he felt compelled to self-satisfy. Portnoy's complaint was a bestseller in the US, the UK, and a dozen or so other countries that year. But it was banned in Australia. A 2013 blog post about the Portnoy ban at the National Archives of Australia reproduces some of the original government correspondence. In recommending that Australian customs prohibit Portnoy from tainting our shores and our mines, Mr H.C. Chipman of the National Literary Board of Review wrote on the 3rd of May 1969, quote, It is an excellent satire on the outpourings of a patient to his analyst, but there is too much emphasis on sex, including all the variations and most of the perversions. The book is obscene, and its literary merit is not such as to warrant its publication. Australian Customs also seized privately imported copies of Portnoy and stopped an issue of an American magazine from entering the country because its review of Ross' book contained an excerpt deemed offensive. All of this despite the fact that some 400,000 copies had been sold in the US alone and critics all over the world were acclaiming it as a major work of modern literature. So local publisher Penguin decided to challenge the ban. The company's Australian boss, John Mitchie, told the Liberal Federal Government's Customs Minister, Don Chip, who'd be future founder of the Democrats, he'd like a meeting to discuss publication. The spirit of the existing censorship agreement between the Commonwealth and the states was for all states to act uniformly regarding banned literary works. That was, a book banned in one was banned in all. Don Chip's talking points for that meeting with Penguin Books boss John Mitchie, which can be found at the National Archives of Australia, showed he intended to remind the publisher of this. Further, quote, should it come to my notice there are such prohibited copies in Australia, I will have to consider what action I shall take, seizure and or prosecution for possession. Yet, that was in relation to imports. So Penguin pulled off a remarkable secret mission by printing 75,000 copies of Portnoy's complaint for distribution in all Australian states. This ballsy move would bypass customs authority to challenge the obscenity and indecent publication laws on a state-by-state basis. On the 28th of August 1970, news of Penguin's plan leaked. The New South Wales, Victorian and Queensland state governments warned that publishers, distributors and booksellers would be prosecuted if they went ahead. 
Penguin said they expected to be prosecuted, but that they were willing to take this to the High Court. Sydney and Melbourne booksellers were undaunted and pre-orders were pouring in. On Monday the 31st of August, Portnoy's complaint went on sale in 2,000 Australian bookstores, including 400 in Sydney alone, back when Sydney had 400 bookstores. A buck 35 was all you needed to get a copy of Portnoy's complaint and then you could decide for yourself whether the book was obscene, a literary masterpiece, both or neither. As the Age newspaper reported the next day, quote, that troubled fellow Portnoy arrived in Melbourne's bookstores yesterday and oh how the money rolled in. The buyers turned up in their thousands. Middle-aged men in overcoats, sweet-faced teenage girls, little old ladies, young men with briefcases and serious expressions, garishly dressed youth. A store called Cheshire's Bookseller in Little Collins Street moved 500 copies in four hours. Up in Sydney, Angus and Robertson's store sold 500 copies in an hour. In Adelaide, the South Australian government, breaking from New South Wales, Victoria and Queensland and undermining that one-ban, all-ban policy, decided to allow the sale of Portnoy's complaint to adults from under the counter, like a dirty magazine. In Western Australia, it was reported, booksellers had sold Portnoy's for a while before withdrawing it from sale and the book had been outright banned in Tasmania. In Victoria that same day, the chief of Melbourne's vice squad and two of his men raided Penguin Books' Ringwood Warehouse and seized 400 copies. This was a bit like closing the gate after the proverbial horse had bolted because the other 74,600 or so copies of Portnoy's complaint were already out there. Penguin Books faced fines of up to $100 and jail terms of up to one year. In New South Wales, on the 1st of September, Sydney Vice Police interviewed numerous booksellers, reported back to Police Commissioner Norm Allen, who then delivered his report to the Chief Secretary, Mr E. A. Willis, who authorised prosecutions. By this stage, just two days after Portnoy's had gone on sale, Penguin reported it had sold 70,000 copies, due of course to all that free publicity that had stoked public curiosity to a fever pitch. Then, 50 years ago today, Sydney Vice Squad detectives armed with search warrants swooped on the Angus and Robertson store in Castleway Street, snatching up 786 copies of the book. They also scored another 18 at the Pocket Bookshop in King Street and 15 more from Bob Gould's Third World Bookshop in Goulburn Street. An ABC camera crew was on hand to capture these ridiculous proceedings as the bemused bookstore owners were questioned, saw their stock carted away and were told they'd be facing summonses to appear in court. You can actually watch it on YouTube. Search by Police Seize Banned Books in Raid on Sydney Store. What you'll see is James Thorburn, Managing Director of Pocket Bookshop, telling the ABC reporter that he'd sold 2,000 copies in the past two days. He also cheekily intimated that he'd managed to hold back hundreds of copies from the Vice Squad detectives because they hadn't actually executed their search warrant properly. Embarrassed to see this on the TV that night, the Vice Squad detectives returned the next day and snatched up another 600 copies. James Thorburn also said that when he was raided, he'd been about to sell a copy of the book to author Patrick White. In Melbourne, John Mitchie and Penguin Books were also summonsed. 
On December 14, 1970 in Sydney, despite three expert witnesses telling the Court of Petty Sessions that Portnoy's complaint had literary merit, Angus and Robertson was ordered to stand trial for selling Philip Roth's book. That was largely the result of contested police evidence given by a detective who said he'd seen a 16-year-old girl in school uniform buy the book on the 31st of August. On the 10th of February 1971, the seventh day of Angus and Robertson's obscenity trial at the Sydney Quarter Sessions, Patrick White, who by now had read the book, told the jury that Portnoy's complaint could be a minor classic and was a very funny book. When he was read a fairly graphic excerpt and asked if it was obscene, he drolly remarked that worse things happen in Sydney. On the 10th day of the trial, the jury retired. They considered their verdict for seven hours and couldn't reach a verdict. That meant that Portnoy would be going back to court again. When that happened in late May, it was a six-day trial and after six hours of jury deliberation, there was again no verdict. After that, the dominoes fell. The New South Wales State Government dropped the charges immediately. A week later, the court ordered that the Vice Squad return seize copies of the book, and two weeks after that, Don Chip lifted the federal ban on Portnoy's complaint. This was the last time the Australian Federal Government tried to ban a literary work on the grounds of obscenity. While Patrick White had predicted that Portnoy's complaint could become a minor classic, it actually went on to be regarded a little more highly, hailed as one of the best English-language novels of the 20th century, with Philip Roth held up as one of America's most important authors. I'm Michael Adams, and you've been listening to Australia on This Day. Make sure you're subscribed to get every episode as soon as it's released. If you've enjoyed the show, I'd love it if you could leave a review and rating at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're after more tales from our fascinating history, check out my other show, Forgotten Australia. This podcast was produced in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales on land traditionally owned by the Darug and Gundungurra people. Thanks for listening and catch you tomorrow. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.